In 2008, actor Heath Ledger was on the top of his game. His movie The Dark Knight, which was about to be released, was by any measure the best movie of the year, and Heath was ready to become the biggest star in Hollywood and win an Oscar. That is, until his bizarre death on January 22, 2008. What the hell happened? This week on Death and Entertainment. Live from Los Angeles. 911, <laughs> I'm awake. I'm awake. I'm up. Jeez Louise. You're here. awake. And I'm Kyle Plouffe. Yeah. And I'm Mark Mulcairn. And I'm Alejandro Dowling. And this week we are getting into uh, quite the story. Unexpected early death. Mr. Heath Ledger. They're all early, aren't they, though? I guess. You know. Unless they're like, you know, 95. We don't do those uh, people. You really think George Burns was early? Yeah. 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 We don't expect foul play there. No. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this week we got uh, we got actor Heath Ledger, who died at the age of 28 years old, which in my mind is too early to go. Yeah. You know, it's a, that's a young Hollywood star died too early. And he's a member of the famed 28 Club. 20, 28 Club. 27 Plus One Club. I uh, just missed the 27 Club. Yeah, I guess he was, uh, he had a lot of admiration for those rock stars who did get the 27 Club. Yeah, so too starting bad. his new thing. He just missed it. But yeah. uh, let's get into it a little bit here. Let's talk about the uh, the movies that are going on around this time, which is January 22nd, 2008. Kyle. Boom shakalaka. Movies at this time. Number five, Alvin and the Chipmunks. I feel nothing towards this movie. <laughs> <laughs> no emotion whatsoever. It's with uh, Jason Lee. Jason Lee, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Very forgettable. So Very moving forgettable, on. Yeah. Uh, number four, this is a Mandela effect. The bucket list. Yeah. The term originated from that movie. Oh. How crazy is it that? It did? Yes. No, it didn't. That was yes, not floating did. around Sorry. before? Dude, it's a Mandela effect that people think that was around before the actual thing. The guy who wrote the bucket list claims to have created it. I looked it up. You can't find anything about a bucket list before this movie. I'd like to hear from our listeners on this one. If yeah. you have proof or any verification that it, it was. It's the only Mandela effect besides the Bernstein Bears that really freaked me out. And wow. the Tonight Show what? Which one? Kevin Ed Eubanks? McMahon. Oh, oh yeah, that, that one was, too. Yeah, yeah. Publishers he, Clearing House. He was house. a Publishers Clearinghouse. Which yes, I, that's yeah. That's kind of that's shocking to me also. Yeah. <laughs> and Fruit Loops that it's spelled F R O O T. They are or not? R. They are. Oh wow! Never How's even that? noticed that. Stick that's that in your pipe and smoke it. I will. <laughs> and there was never a movie called Kazam with Shaq. Yeah. It was Shazam. <laughs> With Sinbad. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was bad. Number three, Cloverfield. J.J. Abrams' first hit. 
I think. Oh, was it? Maybe. I didn't Not know that was an Abrams. First, I but don't like think. up there, well, yeah, maybe Super Eight was one of the first ones. Because didn't he do a Mission Impossible movie? Yeah, I think he did Mission Impossible Three. But probably around up the there. same time. Yeah. yeah, I've never seen the original Cloverfield, but I have seen uh, Cinemax's Cleavage Field. Ah, and, um, it's so, a real movie. Look it up. Softcore porn. <laughs> it was. Yeah, <laughs> that was a double bill with the witches of Brestwick. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, National Treasure, Book of Secrets, Nicolas Cage, Book of Shitty Movie. <laughs> yeah, Book of Wipe My Ass. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> this movie. Whoa, geez, Kyle. We've ne- we found once in a while you just find where Kyle is very sensitive about things. <laughs> Yeah, we've no, came, we've come across it here. Whoopi Goldberg and Nick Cage. Yeah, that's it. Number one. This was a f- phenomenon this year. Uh, Juno, a juggernaut. Yeah, huge movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Michael Sarah, right? Yeah, Michael Sarah in short shorts on. Now Elliot Page. Oh, correct. Michael Sarah became Elliot Page. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he wishes. <laughs> Start that rumor. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was a huge indie movie. Yeah. It was all over the place. Yeah. I hated it. Did you? I loved it. I thought it was great. Are you are you just being uh are you just oh, pushing yeah. back? You being devil's advocate here? No. <laughs> <laughs> the soundtrack annoyed me. Oh. Like it was so cutesy. Yeah. And then I really didn't understand what you're supposed to feel watching that movie. It's like a, it's kind of depressing. It's like, a coming of age. It's a teen pregnancy movie, and then yeah. Michael Sarah's the dad. Yeah. But then she gets rid of the baby, and at the end, they're just like, hey, why don't we just resume having a little cutesy relationship here and pretend like we didn't just give up a baby? Yeah. <laughs> well, it feels like what the right wing want to happen, in which these girls are forced to, to carry these babies to term yeah. and then pass them off for adoption. And then the script, like, what's up, Dorito, Nito, yeah. Tito? What's it's like, your, what, all right, how, ma- how many more things can Ooh, you ah, write? Vito, Vito. <laughs> Diablo Cody. <laughs> Baby, Ruby. <laughs> okay, I'm done. Okay. <laughs> and so are the movies. So what's up the movies? with music what's going up on? the music sitch, Alejandro? Number five, Fergie with Clumsy. This is around the time when she pissed herself on stage? Yeah. <laughs> That's clumsy. And when she was on the charts, when she was allowed on the charts. Allowed? Okay, number four. <laughs> Chris Brown and T-Pain, Kiss Kiss. Bang, bang. How is he allowed to make a song called Kiss Kiss? Yeah, he's beating up his girlfriend. Punch, punch. Punch, yeah, punch, yeah. Geez. Rihanna, Rihanna. <laughs> three. Timberland, not Timberlake. Okay. Timberland and One Republic, one word, <laughs> yeah. One Republic, you know, it mm-hmm. is. Apologize. Is that? It's too late to apologize. Oh, uh, that could be it. Is that one? Yeah, that sounds about it. It's like it's, it's like Timberland mix. I was just asking you to apologize <laughs> <laughs> for liking Juno. Apologize. <laughs> Number two. Oh, this was a big one. Alicia Keys with No One. No one. No one no wanted to listen to that song. <laughs> yeah. Number one, Flo Rida and T-Pain, low. Should have gone low, low, low. See, I know that one. Oh, yeah, that is that one. T-Pain on there. Uh, <laughs> Thanks. Twice. <laughs> twice on the list, T-Pain. T-Pain, yeah, he was crushing around oh. this time. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you got collaborators like Flo Rida and... <laughs> 
How can you go wrong? Chris Brown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wife beaters. Yeah. Whoa. Flowrider? Oh, yeah. Oh, he's not a white beater. Yeah, like, you kind of lumped him in with Chris Brown there. Oh, because I, I pluralized it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was wearing a white beater. <laughs> I retract that, and I'll just I'll take out the yes, wife beater or girlfriend beater. Okay. And yeah. will you retract that you love Juno? Uh, no, I won't. Okay. Because I'm sticking with it. All right. Let Great. the record show. Let the record show. Well, let that record show. <laughs> well, that being said... I'm ready, Freddy. Yeah. To sound like Diablo Cody's writing. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into the death of Heath Ledger. Okay, Heath was born Heath Andrew Ledger, April 4th, 1979 in Perth, Western Australia. His mom is Sally Ramshaw. That's quite a name. Uh, she Sounds was a, like a porn name. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> Sally Rimjob. Oh, yeah, I gotta listen to this Rimshaw. Oh, he just listens to the porn. I don't know. Um, and she was a French teacher. And the dad was Kim Ledger. He was a man named Kim, actually. I was just going to say, I think you mixed him up. Yeah. A boy I, named Sue, a man yeah. named Kim. Sounds like a, yeah, a Johnny Cash song he didn't record. <laughs> Um, his dad was a racing car driver and mining engineer. His family also established and owned the Ledger Engineering Foundry in Australia. Whatever that is, hmm. I don't know. Hmm. But it sounds like he tried other you know, jobs and then went back to the family business, which is his bread and butter. Um, yeah, he grew up. He had great friends. Uh, he loved his family growing up. Um, he loved the city of Perth and school. This isn't really a story about like a dude like escaping a rough family life or a poor upbringing. Why did he feel the need to get out of there so quickly? Um, I think he just wanted to be a, he just wanted a bigger platform, bigger stage in order to do his acting and, and be in movies and stuff. And where is Perth in Perth the scheme is, of Australia? Is the total, it's like the, it's like the California to New York. It's like mm. the complete opposite side of that continent of like Sid, where Sydney is. Yeah. It's okay. like, it's like 42 hour drive. If you were to Damn. drive it. Yeah. Wait, drive it from where? If you were to go to Perth to Sydney, Australia, it's uh like forty two hours. Really? Yeah, it's. I that didn't realize long. Australia was that big. It's that big. I, I looked at it compared to the U.S. and you huh. know it, it's it's not as far uh, as the you know the the two coasts, but you know it's it's not not far. <laughs> yeah, they're both southern. Perth is on the west side and Sydney's on uh, side? the east side. Yeah. I don't think they have the same similar like highway system we have here. Yeah, you just jump on a kangaroo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This Giddy is up. all by kangaroo I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> or a dingo if you're lucky. Yeah. The dingo ate your baby. Um Heath loved acting from a very young age. I think we joked in the past about like Paul Walker and other young actors who were pushed into it, where his parents like pretended they didn't push their kids into it. Yeah. But he really just wanted to be an actor. He saw his sister acting at a very young age and just like couldn't keep his eyes off it and just kind of mm -hmm. sat in the front row and just, you know, sat there in awe, you know, everything that was going on. He just wanted to do it so badly. His first role was playing Peter Pan in his high school play at the age of 10. R.I.P. Bobby Driscoll. Yeah. Peter so, Pan is coming up a lot. Yeah. A lot. Actually. And it will come up in the Robin Williams episode. Yes, oh, it will. Can't wait. Coming soon. So around the same time, his parents uh, separated, actually, and were divorced when he was 11 years old. 
So, you know, maybe things weren't that perfect at home, but by all other measures, it seemed like he was doing things were okay back home. I, I think they were able to weather that storm and everyone was okay with each other. So we got some new half-brothers and sisters as a result of this. So things weren't all that bad. Growing up, he got some roles in Australian kid shows called Ship to Shore and Clowning Around. These were like based out of Perth, so he didn't have to go all the way to Sydney mm. in order to to film these kind of child TV shows. So it was like local access, stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure it wasn't paying a lot either, but I think it's just he just loved the exercise of acting and stuff as a kid. I bet it was fun. Yeah. To be a kid and go on one of those stupid shows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's I'm sure as a Perth goes, I, there's not much else going on there, so why not? Yeah, what else are you going to do? Yeah. Sit at home and play cops and robbers? Yeah. Play <laughs> um, dingoes and babies? <laughs> they, 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 yeah. Watch, uh, uh, what were those movies? The Crocodile Hunter or something? Oh, or? Crocodile. <laughs> Dundee. Yeah. Dundee. Yeah. Or, yeah, Dundee. Yeah, Paul Hogan Paul Marathon. Hogan. <laughs> yeah. You call that a baby? Yeah, I can imagine what Australian TV is like. It, it's, you call that a dingo? <laughs> yeah, I'll show you a dingo. <laughs> what I ain't talking about is the animal. He unzips. <laughs> Meryl Streep is like, Woo! <laughs> um, Immediately after graduating high school, Heath left with a friend and drove across Australia to start acting in Sydney. He's like branching out to the big city at 16 years old. You can finish high school like early there. That's the same age that Rebecca Schaefer hit yeah. the road. Yeah, similar. Mm. I was doing none of this at I 16. Know. I was like, just like really getting into my drinking. That was just like my thing then. <laughs> I was in school. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? That too. Yeah, yeah. I, guess I thought you had to be. I think. I didn't get the memo that I could have taken off at 16. <laughs> Heath was 17 when he got cast in a, an American TV show that was actually being filmed um, in Australia. Oh. Uh, it was a Fox TV show called Roar, which would change his life because he met this girl named Lisa Zane on the set of that show. Not to be confused with the movie Roar. No, very <laughs> different, actually. Good point, which we will do at some point, which was a crazy production from the 70s in which multiple people were killed and maimed. That's a separate thing. And if you heard the Jane Mansfield episode, you yeah. know a little more about it. We did go into more depth there. But Lisa Zane was like 20 years his senior, but she was like very worldly actor from Chicago, who's also the sister of Billy Zane, uh, uh... the actor. So they kind of struck up a little romance and they started like hanging out with each other. And she like showed him the ropes and she brought him of sex. Uh, I think so. <laughs> yeah. 20 years older. 20 years older. Wow. Yeah. What an education. Yeah. He uh, he got quite the education. This is what a woman looks like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she took him to like the Venice Film Festival and she kind of took him around the world. Wow. And eventually she brought him to L.A. and introduced him to a bunch of American industry people there. Yeah, you know, she was, she was uh, Alejandro showing uh, pictures of her. Yeah. And he's salivating on the screen. I'm trying to see if I can recognize her from anything. Bloody FM presents Hometown Ghost Stories, a paranormal podcast that investigates a new town every week, bringing you all the hauntings from haunted houses to castles, bridges to asylums, wandering spirits to demons. Over 100 episodes covering different towns all over the world. Tune in to Hometown Ghost Stories live on YouTube every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern or on any podcast platform and find out if your hometown is haunted. 
She did that. I don't. She she got a lot of small roles and stuff. She wasn't really crushing it in Hollywood. Oh uh, my god, Freddie's dead. She's oh, a, that's the daughter. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Okay. She was in Freddie's dead. What is that? The last nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, okay. Was, so yeah, so maybe she was crushing it. Supposed to be the last nightmare on Elm Street. Well, they you kept know, going yeah. to the original yeah. series. She yeah. kills him at the end. He's she puts a stick of dynamite in his chest. And he just looks in the camera, just goes, kids, and then pfft, explodes. It's the worst. I, I can't wait one. to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> what are you waiting for? Yeah. <laughs> it's only been out since 1991. So the, the Fox show Roar bombs horribly. It goes nowhere. But the relationship remained intact for the time being anyway. So she took Heath back to L.A. with her, and he started living on her couch. She told friends that Heath was going to clean up in Hollywood was her was her words. I think with a dude like Heath, you probably uh, he was just like very confident, very outgoing. Mm. He crushed any audition he did, rehearsals. He's just like he's an amazing actor. Well, we know that by now. By now, but yeah, he was still but I'm saying I could picture that he was always a good actor. Yeah. Naturally. You know? Yeah, of course. And I think it was nice of of Lisa Zane to actually help him out and like introduce him to people because like you know, like people now are like, I'm not, I'm not helping out you. Out. I'm gonna help myself out. You know, fuck you. Come on, though, they're doing each other. But yeah, that helps, of course. <laughs> She's not like, it's not like a charity for her. Kyle, what was that? <laughs> this <is> gross sound. <laughs> You're like the the Michael Winslow from uh, from Police Academy, but the creep version. Yeah. <laughs> Who sits at a bus stop? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just just says weird things to women. <laughs> Trying to make them laugh. Yeah. <laughs> honk, honk. <laughs> Until he gets arrested. <laughs> okay, so yeah, Lisa Zane, she is doing nice things for him. Yeah, so you know. she brings him to L.A. Uh, Heath meets Lisa's roommate, who's this guy, Matt Amato, who would become Heath's good friend and collaborator throughout his career, which is a unfortunately a short career. Matt actually gave Heath the script for 10 Things I Hate About You. And said really? his friend had written and it, it was getting produced. Wow. And Heath is like, oh, yeah, I, he read the entire thing. He's like, I like the lead of this. And Matt's like, oh, okay. You know, so it doesn't have a fucking Hollywood. Yeah, good one. luck yeah, yeah, with good that luck. one. Yeah. But sure enough, Heath gets an audition and he fucking he gets the role. Wow. Like right off the bat. So that was his first movie out here. Yeah. Wow. That was that his... he got just a script randomly thrown in his lap because he showed up to... He, yeah, but it was also going around Hollywood. It was like, I yeah. think Matt had a copy of it, and like that's when people would like, you know, everyone got like copies of scripts and stuff if, oh, they, okay. if they were the ones being produced. It, it, similar thing now, it, like pilot season, you know, they, they throw all the scripts out there for things that are getting greenlit and stuff. Yeah. He beat out Josh Hartnett and Ashton Kutcher. Holy fuck. Yeah, and those two were like in their prime at that point. Yeah. It was, yeah, I'd say Josh so. Hartnett for sure. Yeah, you're right. In the early 2000s, he was everywhere. They had both just exploded, I believe. Yeah. yeah. He was in, um, Hartnett was in The Faculty. Yeah. Yeah. And he was in Virgin Suicides too, which is actually a sleeper indie hit kind of. He was everywhere yeah. in terms of big budget movies, indies. Yeah. Ashton Kutcher, obviously, that 70s show had just started too. And punked. Was that that early punked? Punk was, was in like 05? Really? Yeah, well, yeah. so it's not going on though at the time. Uh, yeah, true. 10 things. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah he, he did the movie and it was a huge hit. 
Yeah, um, it was. Yeah, he became an overnight star from it. And it's better than the normal stupid teen rom-com. Yeah, I never, I, to be honest, I never watched it. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't see it. What? I know he has that like dancing and singing scene. I remember, I just remember her dancing in like a, on a party, on a table or something. Julia some Stiles. Par- yeah. Yeah. On a bet, he's supposed to like take her out and make it seem like he's interested. It's supposed in her. to be like uh, Taming the Shrew or something, yeah. uh, the Shakespeare play. Then at the end, he gives that classic kind of speech that's in all the movies. Like, but then something weird happened. I actually started to like you. Oh my god! <laughs> and then she's like teary eyed. How know? nice! That was like the was that the Freddie Prince Jr. movie uh, where like he's like you, she's all that. You, yeah, you got to date this ugly chick. It's yeah, like, it's, it's always like that, the ninety yeah. or. 2000s movies. And they're never ugly. No. Yeah. yeah it was Rachel Lee Cook. Cook she was fucking, yeah. just because she, she had glasses on. Yeah, she takes glasses. Yeah. It's like <laughs> yeah. fucking Clark Kent and Superman. Yeah, it's like. ridiculous. <laughs> and no Julian Stiles is a tomboy because she wears jeans. Yeah. Yeah. She's crazy. It wasn't exactly a Neil LeBute movie, if no, you know what I'm no. saying. It was not an Art House movie, but it was... It was uh, popular. People went to go see it. And uh, surprisingly, actually, um, Kate Hudson was supposed to play Julia Stiles. But her mom, uh, what's her name? Uh, Goldie Goldie Hawn told her not to, said it was a bad script. Wow. Yeah. But I'd say she more than made up for it when she did Almost Famous. Yeah. Of course. It's like, who cares what you missed before that? Yeah. If you you had the, the shot at either of those two, obviously she, you know. Yeah, you want to do a, a things worked out better rom com or a great Julia Stiles movie. would rather do that than vice versa. I think. Yeah, uh, the, yeah. Only one of them ended up on the crappy seasons of Dexter. Who's that, Julia Stiles? Yeah, yeah. She was. She got weird. I don't know. I I, I never really thought much of her, but she was good in the. <laughs> she was good in the boy. boy that's uh, how you really feel. Yeah, Mark is. I tried to slip that in there. So. <laughs> He's letting it out today. <laughs> she was good in the Bourne movies, which I always love. Oh, Julia well, Stiles. I mean, anyone uh, could have played that part. Okay. Wow. All right. Alejandro's not impressed by that. Um, <laughs> right after that, he starts getting offer after offer after offer of movies, better, but are like other teen like bullshit movies that he doesn't want to do. Yeah. Like, At that point, he's like, "All right, I already made my splash. I want to come in here and you know, I want to start swim with the sharks. I want to swim with the sharks. I want to start <laughs> making some moves here." So yeah, and that's that's what he's doing. He waited, you know, and just oh, wow. and said no, 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 like a thousand times, and he just waited until the things came in that he really wanted to do. A bold move, like which is a bold. It must have drove his agent fucking ballistic. Yeah, <laughs> like dude, where the fuck do you get off? Here? Yeah. You Australian punk, yeah. you come into this country, you know, you just like, get a smash hit right out the gate, and now you're just saying no to all this stuff where we get all this money thrown at you. Yeah, uh, and he's like, yeah, fuck it, no. And then, so what was he waiting for? I think he was waiting for that right big role that would kind of catapult him to the next level. I think the Patriot with Mel Gibson was really the type of like material he was looking for. The Patriot Ledger. The Patriot Ledger. Yeah. Newspaper back home. In it is. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. It is. Yeah. Okay. It's a rag. Yeah. <laughs> it's crap. <laughs> Sounds like it. Yeah. Um, yeah. He was super intimidated working with Mel Gibson. I guess. Yeah. All the. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't leaving him voicemails or anything like All that. All the Hitler memorabilia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like, yeah, you want to get drunk with me and drive down the PCH and uh, start screaming anti-Semitic things out the window? And into my wife's phone. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I got other plans, Mel, but thank you. 
<laughs> That's where he learned the term sugar tits. Yeah. <laughs> Let me teach you how I do Hollywood. <laughs> I ask cops if they're Jewish <laughs> as they're arresting me. <laughs> they meet each other on set. Mel is like, you know who runs Hollywood? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they're like, all right, uh, Mel, is great. Thank you for uh, helping me with this movie. It's been great. But yeah, he d- he did move on to a bunch of other movies. Like he got like A Knight's Tale, not a great movie. Monster's Ball is a great movie. He he did it's with Billy very Bob. very good. And that's exactly the kind of role you were alluding to. Yeah, stuff it's like that. It's not a t- the kind of role that one would you know, follow up 10 things I hate about you with. No, no, you can't go directly. That's a hard turn into that. That's a depressing role and a depressing movie. Yeah. But it's very, uh, I don't know what the word is. Puff Daddy, Halle Berry, um, you know. It's powerful. It's powerful. Yeah, it's Mm -hmm. a, it's a, it's an Oscar bait movie. Is it a spoiler to say what happens to him in the movie? Heath Ledger. Came out like 15, 20 years ago. Go He's, ahead. All right. Well, <laughs> yeah. What in most Hollywood movies, characters stick around sure. through most of the movie. Yeah. He just randomly shoots himself in the chest and suddenly he's out. Yeah. Yeah. In I, front I, of Billy Bob Thornton. And you're like, what the who fuck? Who plays his dad? Yeah. Right? It's yeah. such a scary scene. He thinks that Billy Bob is ashamed of him. Yeah. And so then he just shoots himself right in front of his dad. I like a movie where you could do that. That's like like uh, Breaking Bad and stuff. You Like anyone could die at any moment. And then the dude from uh, Everybody Loves Raymond. What's his name? And Young Frankenstein. Ray Romano? And Young Frankenstein. Oh, uh, Peter Boyle. Peter Boyle. He plays Heath's grandpa. Yeah. And after the funeral, he tells Billy Bob, the kid was weak. He was oh, a racist, wow. like, yeah. scumbag. Yeah, so yeah. the movie is just relentlessly It's so depressing. opposite Peter Boyle, too. He's yeah. not like a racist kind of maniac. Because like, he doesn't like the fact that Billy Bob and Halle Berry are oh, banging. Of course not. And that sex scene. Wow. Forget about yeah. it. <laughs> forget about whatever, uh, you know, softcore porn they're doing on Showtime. You gotta watch it. <laughs> but that movie proved Heath Ledger was the real deal. Yes. Because that actually stuck with me his performance it stood out uh, amongst a movie that everyone stands it out. was very real and Halle Berry you know? got the Oscar for that I she think. did he's yeah. I'm surprised he wasn't nominated like supporting yeah. yeah yeah he had like uh boundless like energy confidence charisma you name it whatever you need in order to kind of get ahead in Hollywood Heath Ledger had it um, Night's Tale looked kind of lame. I never yeah, saw Night's it, Tale, and then I saw uh, it in the theaters for some reason. You did. It was awful. Yeah. You've seen the worst movies in the theater. Yeah, what yeah, was dude. wrong with you? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Kyle gets like the premium seating like theater experience for the worst <laughs> movies you've ever heard of. Yeah. Did you see Monsters Ball in the theater? I've never seen it. What about it's- the the order? The Order. That was like one of his other movies that uh, he did around this time, which is trash. It was like kind of a night's tale, but like, you know, a bad period piece that like went nowhere, basically. But it was probably a good payday. I think he was going by the one for them, one for me type of scenario. I guess. But who was Night's Tale for? Nobody. Yeah. One for one for them. One Just for me. <laughs> I remember the trailer. He was like singing along to Queen or something. And I'm like, what the fuck is this movie? He was doing one for them, one for one for himself and then one for no one. Yeah, like, <laughs> it looked like a weird musical where the knights are singing instead of fighting yeah. or something. I th- no. It wanted to be a musical or something? It wasn't, wasn't it? a musical, no. Kyle paid uh, uh, for three seats for this one. I remember the big thing is like they're jousting and uh, he hits the other guy and like the fucking joust explodes. And that was supposed to be like the big like 
Ooh, spectacle. Very forgettable trash. I just yeah. remember that girl Saucerman was in it. Um, Shannon Saucerman. Oh, from Rules of Attraction? Yes. Yeah. She was great. She was great. In Rules of Attraction. Yeah. Paul, Paul Bettany as well. Uh, he'll come up later. Alan and, Tudyk. And um, what's his name? Mark Addy. Yes. Yeah. Alan Tudyk is always in a mid-level, not good comedy. Yeah. You know what <laughs> he showed up in the other day that I was watching? What? Patch Adams. Really? As a mental patient. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, he's not bad, but he's just like, you know, kind of forgettable. And I'm just thinking, <laughs> like, he's been around that long? Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, he he was in um, uh, Wonder Boys with, with Michael Douglas in, like, 2001, I remember. But That's a good movie. Great movie. Yeah, he has a little small role in that. But he does get in some big paychecks, and he got this huge house in Los Feliz, where he would invite anyone who wanted to come hang. That's really? Awesome. He had a very. I heard like um, Ben Mendelsohn, which is a great, great actor, Australian actor, who's from um, a place beyond the pines. He was in. Um, he's just like a a good like background like uh, character actor guy. Yeah. He said they would just keep the door open, and like people, a lot of Australians would just uh, Australian actors anyway or directors would kind of come and go as they please. Oh wow! Like Naomi Watts lived there. Joel Egerton was there. Um, yeah, j- just a bunch of like. So uh, he's only hosting future movie stars. <laughs> yeah, it seems like. But I'm sure there's some bums yeah. that went nowhere that are also staying there. Yeah. Or a family that shows up with a bunch of bags. Yeah. Oi. Like, where's the guest room? <laughs> yeah, there's a, Mate? a family of kangaroos show up. <laughs> <laughs> where can we set up our pet dingo? Crikey. <laughs> the dingo better not eat our baby this time um, Paul Hogan is like You got any work for me? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm I of, trim lawns now <laughs> I'm burned out around now That's the first thing that pops up That's just Kyle that. is showing us the jousting <laughs> yeah. Oh wow Kyle's trying to prove something that we're not even <laughs> challenging even... Alright <laughs> I think we need to explore this So you see in the movie Yeah you're in the theater. Yeah. You probably have some popcorn or something. Mm-hmm. What's going through your head? Like, why are you there? Are you enjoying yourself? I think I went with a girl and she wanted to see it. Oh, okay. That's an easy excuse. Yeah. This is like a trance we're putting Kyle in to figure out what happened around this movie. Yeah. <laughs> why he chose to go to it. Yeah. They're making me stare at a pocket watch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're falling asleep. You're telling us why you got two tickets for a night's tale. <laughs> and nobody else was in there. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> They probably weren't even going to screen the movie that day if you hadn't shown up. Yeah, yeah. probably. You know, they were going to leave the projector off. Yeah, yeah. the projector guy's like, ah, oh, fuck, I got to get to work So now. I made them lose money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the projector guy's like, oof, I finally get a break yeah. today. I'm going to go get some lunch. Yeah. Then Kyle's like, two for night's tale? They're like, hey, Jonesy, get up. You got to do some work. Some schmuck brought his uh, date here. They finally showed up for night's tale. We were about to send it back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> burn it. Yeah, the studio's like, we don't even want it back. Now, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't have any place to dispose of it. Yeah, we- <laughs> <Have> it. <laughs> yeah. throw it in the river. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they had this big house, and even when Heath was like off shooting movies, the party would still go on. And that, that guy, Ben Mendelsohn, would say, like, he once saw Adrian Grania there from Entourage which we've talked about recently. Mm-hmm. And he looked like he was doing research before they actually did Entourage. He was hanging around this house, too. Research? Research for Entourage, the TV show. It's, yeah, just in a house with a bunch of friends. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. Doing, he's doing coke in a house. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> research, okay. 
Uh, yeah, like, with a bunch of hot Australians. <laughs> who wants to do research with me upstairs? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Naomi Watts, you want to come upstairs? <laughs> yeah, he just had this like insane energy and passion uh, for like projects. He did. Um, his friends and collaborators would always get bombarded by his calls and emails at insane times and uh, of days like like he would show up to his agent's like house at seven in the morning or something with like all these pitch ideas he had. And like, he was just crazy like that. So he, an artist. He, exactly. He was a very passionate artist. He passionate was interested. Artist or bipolar. <laughs> I, it could, you, you never know. If yeah. Sometimes it's undiagnosed. He was only, you know, 28 years old. That sounds like mania. Or on a yeah. bender. Yeah. Yeah. That's who. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it but, also sounds like he's he's on a path to wanting to develop his own projects. Yeah, he he does. He, he, we get into that right here. Um, he told friends that he didn't have much time in life, so he felt he needed to get things done quickly, which is a very ominous thing to say to people. Who confirmed this? His friend that I talked about, his first friend when he... When Mendelssohn? He, no. Uh, oh, the one he Matt, drove. Matt Amato, the person he first, who he started this uh, this production company, The Masses, with, actually did confirm that he would say stuff like that. Really? Like, he doesn't have a lot of time on this earth. Maybe he meant as a as a person in general, or the fact that he was just predicting his own demise. Yeah. Huh. Tupac said that about himself, too. Really? Yeah. But then again, don't we all... You know, how many times have you said, ah, you only live once, yeah. I could go tomorrow. But if you died next year, it would seem crazy if Alejandro oh, yeah. said, you know, you only have so much time in life. Like, yeah. did he know something we didn't? Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, <laughs> I'm really just being generic. Like, ah, I could go next week. Then I get eaten by a wolf next week. And yeah. you guys are like, did you hear Alejandro got eaten by a wolf? <laughs> and he <laughs> just said that. And he just said that. You know, <laughs> that he didn't have much time left. This is crazy. <laughs> yeah. And like, where'd that wolf come from? Yeah. Why is it? In- why is it in North Hollywood or, or West Toluca Lake, whatever we're calling it? Uh, yeah, he just wa- he wanted to leave a mark on the world. We'll mm-hmm. say that, and he felt like he didn't have enough time in order to do it. Yeah. I kind of admire that. Yeah, yeah, but he had time to film a Knight's Tale. <laughs> yeah, I had time to see it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. That's yeah. actually more pathetic. <laughs> yeah. The fact that you had time to just go watch. You paid it. to see it. Oh yeah. He got paid a lot of I money paid twice. Yeah, he got a big house to bang Naomi Watts. What you get? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Before Mulholland Drive, probably. Oh yeah, that was like primo. Oh, yeah. Naomi Watts. Yeah. Uh-huh. If you know what I mean. Oh my! <laughs> so anyway, he starts his company. <laughs> he starts his company called The Masses, which is his uh, like music, film, and TV production company. Mm. He just starts producing like some Australian musical acts, and um, he some some movies and and documentaries he was trying to get off the ground nothing notable i could actually think of i don't think they had enough time to to get enough done they had like a nice office on sunset where keith would go every day and uh or heath would go every day in in like uh yeah (laughs) and it just seemed like an office for him a little bit you know just Mm -hmm. to work on you know the roles he was going to be doing and stuff in 2005 he heath would get the role of skip engblom in the movie Lords of Dogtown, Skip was the founder of Ho Surfboards and Zephyr Productions, which was basically the beginnings of pro skateboarding. It was based on the documentary Dogtown and Z Boys. Um, that was good. 
Good I movie. Mean, yeah. yeah. It also starred Emil Hirsch and uh, Michael um, Enganaro. Um, the director, Catherine Hardwick, uh, really didn't want Heath because he was too young and hot and good looking. Um, the real Skip Englum looked more like like an older slob like Philip Seymour Hoffman, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, that would make more sense. I want like a good character mm. actor to play this person. And but Heath was like very insistent on the role, and I'm sure the production company was like, "We want any star power we can get in this thing." Yeah. So we're taking Heath, and uh, and and I he realized Johnny Knoxville was in this. Yeah, too. this is a who's who of the up and coming actors of the 2000s. Yeah, because yeah. that John Robinson, I believe, he had just done Elephant with Gus Van Sant, and then you also got Mitch Hedberg. Yeah, yeah, Mitch Hedberg right. was in it. Yeah, my favorite Mitch Hedberg joke is. Um, I wrote a screenplay and I gave it to someone. They said, you should do a rewrite. And I said, fuck that. I'll just make a copy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, in order to make his portrayal seem more legit, he put caps in his teeth to actually look more like the character he was playing. And and I think Catherine kind of liked that. Even, you know, clearly she had to use him, but. Yeah. But he actually was a standout in the movie. He was great. Oh, yeah. He transformed himself. I'm looking at it. Yeah. He looks way different. He mm-hmm. has like caps in his teeth. He looks like he doesn't look like Heath. Grizzled. Grizzled. Yeah. It doesn't look like a mid 20 something. Yeah. He's an older guy. Uh, like he's supposed to be like in his late 30s or 40s in, in the movie. And, you know, he did his best to kind of look like match that old guy in his late 30s. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Danny Glover was busy. I'm getting too old. Yeah. The movie was, I guess, it it wasn't like a runaway business success. It didn't make a ton of money, but critically actually did pretty well. It was no Knight's Tale. It was no Knight's Tale. Not that bad, but mm. A.O. Scott from the New York Times highlighted his performance in the movie, stating, Skip is always volatile, frequently drunk, and consistently the most entertaining figure in the movie. Mm. He also praised the movie as a whole, stating, Lords of Dogtown from start to finish is pretty much a blast. I actually remember that from the time. That's what all the reviews seem to say. Yeah. That Heath Ledger shines in this movie, and that's the reason to see it. Yeah. I think he was like, that guy, Michael Anjaro, like, he was fine, but he wasn't like, he wasn't jumping off the screen like Heath Ledger was. Yeah. And Emile Hirsch was okay. Um, I guess Emile Hirsch and Heath would actually hang out a lot and bust each other's balls. And I'm sure they, you know, probably drugs were involved in that, too. Um, But Emil Mm -hmm. told a story where he was making fun of Heath for doing the gay cowboy movie Next, which Keith would be doing called Brokeback Mountain. And at some point, he went a little too far with him. And uh, and Heath just kind of stared down Emil Emil Hirsch and is like, dude, stop fucking around. Wow. Good for him. He kept giving him shit for doing it like gay cowboy movie. Yeah. And then he would do fucking milk later. Yeah. Uh-huh. So what the fuck is he making fun of? I feel like Emil Hirsch does go, goes way too far, as we've noted when he beat up that uh, executive in Sundance a couple oh, yeah. years ago when he was drunk and high on coke. You think he went too far? Well, some would say. <laughs> the court documents would say. Yeah. What a psycho. Yeah, but he gave him a look after that. He's like, just gave him a look that said, dude, shut the fuck up. And then he copied him and did milk. Of like, course. Oh, I'm going to do a gay movie, too, to get noticed. Yeah. Yeah, he's just a fucking... I feel hers is a bitch, man. Yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> Let's take his ass. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, just to go right back, right into it here, he scored 
uh, his next role playing opposite Jake Gyllenhaal as Ennis Del Mar in Ang Lee's Brokeback Mountain. <laughs> okay, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> I remember talking to a buddy in college. He's like, oh, me and my girlfriend just went to see Brokeback Mountain. And I'm like, oh, how was it? He was like, it's pretty good. Yeah. I'm like, was it graphic? And then he's like, uh, yeah. They just start jackhammering in the tent. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. They don't jump right into it. They ease into that a little <laughs> yeah. bit. Uh, here's the logline for the movie. In the summer of 1963, Wyoming, two young men, Ennis, a ranch hand, and Jack, an aspiring rodeo bull rider, are sent to work together herding sheep on Brokeback Mountain. And what had otherwise been anticipated to be a rather uneventful venture will soon turn into an affair of love, lust, and complications that will span through 19 years of their lives. It's an intense movie. A sweeping epic. A sweeping epic, yeah. A romance, a drama, a fly on the wall. What is life like in Wyoming? Yeah. You know, the herding the sheep and the... Yeah. You know, it, the other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, Ang Lee is always known for these sweeping epics. I think he's hot off of a crouching tiger, hidden dragon. So, <laughs> And the incredible Hulk. Yeah, the Hulk. <laughs> I didn't mind that Hulk. Actually. The incredible bomb. Yeah. yeah, it didn't do too well. But uh, Brokeback Mountain did do very well. Not only was it a critical success, it actually made $178.1 million at the box office with a budget of $14 million. Wow. Yeah. That is very impressive. Wow. Uh, and it was pretty cool that this commercial movie yep. was out there yeah, starring it, two characters that are gay and in yeah. love with each other. Yeah. And in, in, in a place where that was unheard of, I'm sure. Yeah. 1963 Wyoming is not really where you can have like an outwardly, you know, especially two macho guys in that setting. It's kind of, you know, tough to get away with that at that time. And, Extremely. And it's a good story. And he had that whole iconic mumbling going on. Yeah, it. yeah. He was just very... Um, hey, what's up? Like, I think that the, the direction he took on himself was that his character hated his own voice or hated uh, hearing himself. So he would, like, you know, mm. he would purposely, like, rumble and just, you know, speak lowly and, like, not really outwardly project his own voice like most people would do maybe because like if he did it would indicate exactly what he had inside of himself as far as being a gay man he's not a confident guy no no and it has that famous line i gotta go see about a guy (laughs) (laughs) yeah my god well we're hot off of talking about goodwill hunting so yeah yeah. (laughs) i mean i can't quit you i can't quit you that's the big one yeah Uh, After this role, Heath was being compared to the likes of Marlon Brando, and he was nominated for his first Oscar. However, he lost to Philip Seymour Hoffman in Capote. Wow. So you can't can't get away from Philip Seymour Hoffman. Can't get, it's all the battle of the weird voices. I won the the Oscar for Capote. Well, he did a, a little bit at the Independent Spirit Awards, kind of like laughing at his role a little bit, but it was taken the wrong way. Like he was laughing at the idea that he was playing gay people, which now is kind of frowned upon. If you're, if you're a straight guy playing a gay character and stuff, you know, there's going to be some online hate for you. Mm. It's like stolen valor. Kind of. Yeah. (laughs) And he, he laughed in a weird way and he just kind of chalked it up to his own nervousness and, you know, his inability to kind of speak publicly and had nothing to do. He wasn't laughing at these characters in the movie at all. 
Because it's like an easy, low-hanging fruit to to make fun of this movie. Some dictionary listed Brokeback as the word of the year that year. Really? Because it was used so often in jokes and references. Yeah, Yeah, it was trending. Um, Even though he lost the Oscar, he won the girl. Meaning his co-star, Michelle Williams, who he married after uh, the movie, um, and they had a daughter together named Matilda. And she was born when? She was born, I want to say, in 2005. So after he's done filming. Yeah, yeah. After the filming's done, that's when they, they're consummating this relationship. Well, they, yeah, I guess if they met they, on the well, they, they were. how would they have a baby already? Yeah, well, they were, uh, they were sharing a trailer. That's what Jake Gyllenhaal said. They were sharing a trailer on the set, and they would all hang out and like make breakfast together and stuff. So they were dating beforehand? No, they were dating when the movie started. But that's, then they accelerated to sharing a trailer and the movie yeah wow yeah interesting they didn't share a tent though (laughs) i guess not i don't think so matilda was born october 2005 okay so right before the movie's released basically yeah pretty much he's got got the movie he's got the baby he's got the the oscar nom and i should mention that to go back to the oscars for a second that was supposed to win Best Picture, too, because Ang Lee won Best Director. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then everyone was shocked when Crash was announced as the winner. That will go down in history as the worst choice they've ever made, amongst many, uh, a lot of bad ones also. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Top 20. Kyle still thinks the, uh, what's that movie, should 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 have won. Limp Biscuit live in Los Angeles. <laughs> 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 I, I, I'm thinking of the one where, where Heath was in the, uh, the Night's Tale. Uh, Little known fact, or maybe maybe known to some people, Matilda's godparents are Jake Gyllenhaal and uh, Busy Phillips are the godparents to Matilda. Yeah. After three years, they um, they called it quits. Him and Michelle, they officially called it quits. But things were were breaking up even before that. So though, like his personal life was not was kind of suffering, but his career is going completely insane at this time. And they were married. Or they weren't married. They were married, I think, and then they got it got it annulled later on, I wanna say. They got it annulled? Yeah, I think so. Really? That seems kinda harsh. <laughs> Jesus, too much for Alejandro to take. Whose uh marriage got annulled? Uh Heath Ledger and um Michelle Williams. Oh, before he died. Yeah, before he died. Yeah. Yeah. No, Imagine after. doing it after. Yeah. <laughs> So, I'll look into it. Okay. He's dead. She, at the funeral, she's like, we're done. You're right. <laughs> they weren't officially married. Oh, they were. Okay. Because it says, it lists her husbands, and Heath was not one of them. Not one of them. No. Yeah. They were together from 2004 to 2007, it says here. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like I was saying, his personal life is suffering. His career is going completely insane. So much so, he was having trouble keeping it together mentally. He's like a man possessed out to become like the biggest actor in the world. Yeah. Um, he wasn't sleeping much. A lack of sleep, I guess, was taking a heavy toll on him. People would bump into him in public and be like, dude, are you okay? <laughs> like, you look like shit. You'll go insane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's what international stardom will do that to you. Like, how do you sleep at night with all this shit going on? No idea. At this time, he started taking a lot of Ambien to be able to get a few hours of sleep. Oh, Ambien's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome, but like over time, it wears on you. Yeah, you can't do it chronically. Yeah. Isn't that what Bryn Hartman was taking? That was one of many things, yeah. I think. Yeah, In the cocktail, yeah. Yeah. 
Ugh. She was taken, you name it. In 2007, Heath was looking for something to direct for himself. He wanted to start directing movies. Mm. He had dabbled with making some music videos and fucking around with cameras at the Masses, his uh, production studio there. Yeah, he did Ben Harper and uh, Modest Mouse videos. Yeah. Really? Uh-huh. Oh, he shit. was very good friends with Ben Harper. They were like uh, pals. Wow. And he that- was married to Laura Dern at Laura the time. Laura Dern, yeah. They just broke ben up. Ben Harper was? Uh-huh. What the? For a long time. I didn't know that. You're, wow. You were watching a Night's Tale too much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's focusing on Mark Addy <laughs> from a Night's Tale. Um, he came across this book called The Queen's Gambit. Due to his love of chess, he, he liked The Queen's Gambit, mm-hmm. which, as we know now, is a story about a drug-addled chess star who becomes like a world champion. Wow. And he wanted to make this a movie with actually Elliot Page. Wow. Mm. I guess he was an amazing chess player. He was close to becoming what's called a grandmaster. I think he was just a few points away from achieving this, allegedly. A grandmaster is like something awarded by the International Chess Federation. Um, wow. As of 2020, there's only 1,770 active grandmasters. So this is something he was really into. That's even more than I would think. How many there are? 1,700, yeah. Yeah. Grandmasters. I think Jeez. world champion supersedes all of that. So if you're like Bobby Fischer and you won the world champion, you supersede any of these yeah. grandmasters and stuff. Yeah. And just under it is Grandmaster Flash. Nice. <laughs> 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 One time I was at, at Vegas with some friends from Family Guy. Yeah. And Grandmaster Flash was the DJ in this big club in oh, Vegas. Oh, really? <laughs> and Seth MacFarlane was there. He's like, everyone give it up for Seth Mac. McNane, the <laughs> the family man himself. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, he totally fucked up everything. It was hilarious. I'm sure Seth loved that. Yeah, I, I'm sure he took it in stride. Um, <laughs> obviously, that fell through. He was going to be directing that, but you know, certain circumstances happened in which he wasn't able to direct that. Uh, what's it called? Queen's Gambit. The Queen's Gambit. Is which, that you being cheeky? What? Some things happened. Yes. Well, some things happened. Yes. You know, sometimes you don't get to make your passion project. It doesn't work out. Right. Your director debuts do not work out. When it made it to Netflix, is that the same track that started with Heath Ledger? Or was that something totally this different? This project has been picked up and dropped by so many people okay. throughout the years. I think the book was originally published in like uh, 82 or something. So a lot of people had been thinking about doing this. But I think one of the people he was working with in order to get it produced is the ones who made it with Netflix. So that oh, one, wow. I think at least one of the people stuck around to do it. But yeah, it was going to be adapted by multiple people. Yeah, okay, he wanted it to be a film. Now it's a TV show. Yeah, now it's a now it's a longer TV show. And yeah, so he's moving on, still acting, still getting you know auditioning for roles, looking for that next huge thing after Brokeback Mountain. He wants the biggest thing at this time. Which at this time, the biggest thing is Christopher Nolan's. The Dark Knight, yeah, which is the biggest movie that everyone wants to do. Sensation. Everyone saw Batman Begins. Even if you're not a Batman comic book person, you saw that Nolan movie. Also with the other movie he did, Insomnia, with Robin Williams. Who we will be talking about we soon. We will be talking about soon. Mm-hmm. If you saw that body of work as well as the adaptation that he's doing, everyone wants this role. Batman Begins came out summer 2005, months before Brokeback Mountain. Mm. And the hype had already started because the movie ends with a reference to the Joker. Yeah, Yeah, because there's like a card or something to the Joker. Yeah, Yeah. I didn't care for that. 
wink wink it's a little too much yeah. yeah i loved it that being said the speculation started who's gonna be playing the joker the internet is still you know it ain't quite where it's at now but yeah. it's getting there There's as far as the boards. online hate yeah yes. yeah yeah a million and- mock-ups of willem dafoe yeah, <laughs> yeah i think would be amazing in the role but well yeah well Heath Ledger originally wanted to play Batman. He went in to go play Batman oh, wow. originally. Mm, yeah. um, I could see that. At that time, yeah. that's who you would have expected him to play, mm. Batman. Because that, that seems like the more normal trajectory yes. of like a leading man if, yeah. you're, if you're trying to do that. But I think, I don't know, I, I think he read more into it and he found out this Joker character yeah. is really the meat of it. And I think he's a big Nicholson fan. He's in awe of how Nicholson did the Tim Burton movie in 89. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to kind of like bring something new to it. Yeah. Um, he actually talked to Jack Nicholson about it. Oh, did he? Yeah. When Heath Ledger died, Jack was on TV and he was going... I, I told him. I told him what was going to happen. <laughs> like, like being the Joker, especially his version, is like the most dark, brooding mind fuck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a clip of that if you want to play it right now. Sure. sure. Jack. Uh, Jack. How's it going? Jack. Going great. You're looking good. You looking good. Now you can have a smoke, Jack. Jack, Jack, your left. Jack, any comments on who's let you stay? That was. He actually died in New York. Overdose. Overdose. He died in New York. Oh, right. Just found him a couple hours ago. I warned him. Exactly. That's right. He warned him. That's a crazy thing to say, actually. Yeah. With a smile and then smoking a cigar after. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I warned him. I warned him. I I don't know what he warned him of exactly, but maybe just like letting that character drive you crazy. The dangers of being the Joker. I yeah, guess so. Um, Somehow uh, Jared Leto survived. Yeah. <laughs> well, he almost wasn't the Joker. He almost didn't get it. He was fighting against Paul Bettany, Jared Leto. For, Jared Leto won that one too. Is it Leto or Leto? Leto, Leto. They've both been said okay yeah i think Asshole. he says <laughs> uh sam rockwell robin williams willem dafoe also wanted to be the joker robin williams again was rumored because yes. yeah. he had been rumored for the original batman yep yeah and then batman forever the riddler, the riddler yeah. yeah and also he worked with nolan and in insomnia yes mm-hmm. exactly so that actually does make a lot of Makes sense. sense wow yeah. but nolan actually didn't offer to heath first he first offered it to sean penn really yep Sean Penn. Yeah. Wow. That would have been interesting, too. Sean Penn said no. And you know why? Because he thought it would be disrespectful to play the same role as his friend Jack Nicholson. Wow. Yeah. Good for you, Sean. Go yeah. smelt your fucking Oscar. Yeah. So they announced Heath as the Joker in the fucking online fandom goes nuts. Like, this is one of the first times... You know, they actually have an effect or they make waves as far as a studio like making a decision because they're like, what the fuck are you thinking, Heath Ledger? Oh, was I was one vicious. of those people. Were yeah. you? Oh, I was pissed. I was like the fucking rom-com guy? Yeah. Like, what are we doing? What's going on? You hadn't seen Monsters Ball yet. I know. I didn't. Yeah. I still haven't. <laughs> <laughs> if you had seen that, That's you true. could at least get a picture. Uh, but yeah, he said this was, he started production. He said, this is the most fun I've ever had in a role in my entire life. Yeah. He was like skateboarding and everything. Yeah. Between takes. To prepare for the role, he locked himself in a hotel in London for an entire month. 
Oh, my God. He started a Joker diary with insane pictures and ramblings. Um, he started saying the voices to himself to try and find the character. He was looking for iconic phrases and uh, like a correct way of laughing for the Joker. Um, there he said he found a psychopath mm-hmm. and inside of himself, I guess. Someone with no remorse. Uh, he worked with wardrobe in the art department to find just the right look and actually did the red paint on his face himself. So that was all his kind of like making that crazy red paint on his wow around his mouth and shit. Yeah. Contrary to popular belief, he did not stay in character the entire shoot. But some say they witnessed him snarling to himself in corners during the shooting. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he was inspired by Malcolm McDowell's role in Clockwork Orange, which helped him kind of get into the completely insane character we see on screen. And Tom Waits, right? Yes, the voice is Tom Waits. Yeah, yeah, maybe a little bit. It's a little grainy. It's exact. There's only Alice. So he got totally engulfed in this role. He he kind of lost his complete mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he said during the production he was only sleeping two hours a night. Mm. And probably listening to Tom Waits, too, which is music made for haunted houses. So that will drive you insane on its own. Me and Alejandro were listening to it for like two days straight uh, doing a painting job. And I was yeah. like... I felt fucked up. You didn't want to do it anymore. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, it's sad music. Yeah. Sad and scary. It's like for sad hobo music. Yeah, literally. Yeah. It's also romantic. It's also beautiful. It's very sexual. <laughs> yeah. Tom Waits music. <laughs> so, yeah. So he said the the role like fucked with him mentally and like made it even harder for him to sleep because like sleeping was really getting tough for him around this time. Did he um, take the makeup off? <laughs> yeah, he should have probably. But he, he said he loved it. Even though he was having the best time of his life, he was also kind of losing his mind. It's kind of a weird dichotomy he was going through at this time. Yeah. He began taking more Ambien to try to sleep, but at some point it was kind of wearing off. Like you could take more and more and more. It's like any drug. It loses its effect over time. But whatever Heath was doing with the Joker role was working. Christian Bale was like, he ruined any plans I had in every scene because his character was so much more interesting than what I was doing. Uh, Michael That's very true. Michael Caine totally forgot his lines in one scene because he was so in awe of Heath. He said the crazy makeup and his psychotic performance along with a dark sense of humor made working with Heath a frightening experience. Wow. So this is a guy that played badasses like Get Carter. And this is like too much for him to deal with. This is a guy that was in Jaws the Revenge. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Bad example. (laughs) Yeah. But a little tidbit to add to the uh, Joker thing today. Actually, today marks 10 years since the Aurora shooting from the uh, the Dark Knight Rises. Oh, wow. Who modeled himself after the Joker, the shooter. Yeah. Yeah. I I think he was inspired. Not not inspired by Heath, but like inspired by the the Joker being a maniacal (laughs) fucking shitbag. Yeah. Not only that, but also the anniversary of the opening of The Dark Knight Rises, because that was the same. Yeah. Same night. Yeah. (laughs) Same same night. night. Yeah. (laughs) That is just depressing that people were like stoked to go see the dark knight rises yeah yeah and then they get fucking shot at it's so weird like uh his movies like and then tenet comes out and it's the coronavirus uh yeah geez yeah what are you suggesting christopher nolan is uh doomed (laughs) (laughs) and when inception came out 
the BP oil spill. <laughs> <laughs> and glitter came out nine eleven. That's true though. But yeah, that he had that in the can, and the movie was done. And you know, he was right away moving on to his next job. And I, I'd take like a, a break or something, yeah. but that's not Heath at this time. Yeah, go to Maui. Go to Maui. Go yeah. chill out, you know? And the next one's a trippy one. Uh, yeah, yeah. He got this role called The Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus. It was a Terry Gilliam movie. Mm-hmm. He got, he's just a huge fan of Terry Gilliam. So he's like, I'm going to take every opportunity I get because you never know if a Terry Gilliam movie is going to come up in the next couple of years. And he had worked with him already in The Brothers Grimm. Oh yeah, yes. they did. He did that with Matt Damon. That's yeah. right, Matt Damon. <laughs> uh, so he was cast as the lead in the Imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus, which I started watching last night a little bit. Weird movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was quoted as saying, "I'll drop dead after this Gilliam film." Uh, Kyle, do you have that? And he's filming this before Dark Knight is released. Yes. So people have not seen his people have Joker not yet. Seen it, yeah. In three weeks' time, I start filming with Terry Gilliam, and I'd really do anything. I'd, I'd cut carrots and and serve the catering on on, on a Gilliam film. I, I I really, really love the guy, and um, so yeah, I'm doing the Imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus, and then, and then I'll drop to the ground dead <laughs> for a year Whoa. and uh, hibernate. So we saw what he meant afterward, really like after, because he's like, it's always I'll take a break after this. I'll take a break mm-hmm. after this. But the say I'll drop dead right after this. And might I add, again, that's what a lot of people say. A lot of people talk like that. Yeah. Like, oh, God, I had the worst day at work. I feel like dropping dead. Yeah. It's just a little funny with Terry Gilliam in his movies. In, in the, around this era, he had a little trouble making movies. Mm-hmm. Um, he tried to do this movie called The Man Who Killed Don Quixote with Johnny Depp, which was countless issues. There were storms. The lead, one of the lead actors died and stuff. And yeah. So I, I don't want to get right into it just yet. A couple more things. Heath's role was pretty demanding. One night he was hanging from a bridge, which is like where his character is introduced in the movie, if you've mm-hmm. seen it. Um, there was water being shot at him. It was supposed to be a very rainy night. And he got like super sick. He got like uh, pneumonia. He got a flu. He was feeling like shit, and he was going to go see also Steven Spielberg in New York, so he went back home where he was living. For what movie? I don't know what it was for. Hook 2. Maybe, yeah. He was going to play Captain Hook. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Is that you, Peter? Yeah. I I still don't know why he didn't take like a less demanding role or just take a long break. Because he loves Terry Gilliam. I guess so, yeah. But and he was Brothers he, Grimm didn't let's be honest, that didn't turn out too great. No, that so was amazing. Like, I want to be in a good Terry Gilliam. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to be in Twelve Monkeys. Twelve Monkeys or the the one where he played the the writer uh with Johnny Depp. Um That's, Fear and Loathing? Fear and Loathing Las Vegas. Oh, so you're he, right. He wants that type of movie. Hunter S. Thompson. He wants yeah. like that type of movie yeah. Terry Gilliam experience because he must have been in, like I was. I was in awe of like movies like that. I thought that was amazing. It's a great movie. Yeah. So he goes back to New York where he has a big apartment there. He's not sleeping. He's sick as fuck. He's not doing well. At this time, he's dating one of uh, the Olsen twins, Mary Kate Ashley. I said, actually. Yeah. Actually. <laughs> and which one married the old French dude? I think that's Ashley. All right. So he decides to go back to New York and hang out with her. Like, that's where you go back to relax, like Manhattan. 
Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go hang out in Times Square, you know, while I'm trying to get better. God. It's insane. And uh, he's on a break from filming. He's on a little bit of a break. He gets a couple R and R days, I guess, from the Terry Gilliam movie. And was I'm not there slipped in after the Dark Knight as well? Yeah, I think that was that was a quick shoot. He did only a couple days on that, okay. so that wasn't like a long uh, slog for him. Boy, that was a dismal movie experience. That was the one where David Cross played um, the the beat Allen Ginsberg. Ginsberg. Yeah. Wow. I saw that at the Orpheum Theater in Madison. I'm not there. Yeah. Are you sitting? <laughs> yes. The day he died, Get not out. knowing that he died. Really? Wow. Yep. That's Old crazy. Ginsey? Heath Ledger. Oh, Heath Ledger. Yeah, I saw I'm not there. With <laughs> oh, Ginsey. Right, right. Heath, <laughs> Heath Ledger is in it. Yeah. Right. Wow. Okay, you're not impressed. Well, that gets well. We might it as well, since, since Alejandro told us big this big milestone in his life, I might as well bring this up. On January 22nd, 2008, Heath is found naked by his masseuse and his housekeeper on the floor of his Soho apartment. They allegedly called 911 right away, but that's not the case. They did not call 911 right away. They did away. not. Too bad he wasn't just naked. Apparently, <laughs> there, there were pills all around his body. Wow. Yeah, he was face down naked in his Soho apartment. So that implies he was just popping pills and then Yeah. It sounds dropped. like a it sounds like a stage uh, you know, murder yeah, spot. Yeah. It really does. A little bit. Um on February eighth, the New York City Medical Examiner's Office declared Heath died of a fatal mixture of painkillers, anti anxiety drugs, and sleeping pills. It was basically Xanax, Percocet, and Ambien. Mm. Who knows how much of each, each was taken? Probably a lot. What we do know is that he was only prescribed the ambient. As far as the other two, to this day, no one knows where they came from. Hmm. Um, a doctor feel good. Heath was documented. It was kind of well known that he was experimenting with drugs for years now. Mm. It was alleged that Michelle Williams kicked him out of their Brooklyn apartment. Because of his drug use. Because he was living together with their daughter, Matilda. Mm -hmm. She kicked him out. He was caught at the Chateau Marmont doing coke on video one time. Oh, my God. Yeah. So people are like, they knew he was doing drugs. It was no secret. Um, I don't know about you, but if I'm at the Chateau Marmont, ever since John Belushi, I am not even looking at a drug at that place. Yeah. You know? I feel like with, with Heath, he wants to live... All these American showbiz like legends. Yeah. He wants to do the Terry Gilliam drug movie. He yeah. wants to like, you know, go to the Chateau Marmont do Coke. He just wants the whole experience. He wants to be the artist. Yeah. This is the lead detective who is investigating his death, talking about the crime scene. I can only repeat what I said that there were prescription medications taken from the apartment. They included sleeping pills. They were not scattered about the apartment. So that was bullshit. Medication. That was a lie? That was a lie. Oh. Yeah. The first report said he was naked and there were pills everywhere, but that wasn't the case. He wasn't naked. But he was naked. Oh, okay. Yeah, but just the, sp the pills were not scattered the pills everywhere. Mm. Uh, police wanted to talk to former child actor Mary-Kate Olsen, but she refused to talk to police immediately. Uh, the former child star from Full House wondered why they wanted to talk to her. She was in California at the time. Um, apparently, her and Heath started hooking up three months earlier, but didn't want to make it exclusive. Mm. So it wasn't like made public. So she knew something, but she didn't want to talk to the cops. 
The DA's office asked to talk to her twice and she refused. She then asked for immunity in order to talk to them. So anything she said would be inadmissible if she mentioned doing something illegal. Oh, so she might have been involved in giving him the pills? Yes. Or getting them for him? Yeah. Didn't she send her bodyguard to the, check get, on him? This is the whole death breakdown okay. from, from what people know mm-hmm. right now about his death. 3 p.m. he was scheduled for a massage with a masseuse named Diana Wolozin. The, the therapist is let in by the housekeeper. So Wolozin walked into Heath's room and found Heath cold and unresponsive. At 3.17 p.m., the masseuse calls Mary-Kate, not 911, calls Mary-Kate, who is in California for some reason, to tell her that her boyfriend might be dead. Mm. That is bizarre not to call the cops at that not calling the, not 911 is not called yet. So why is Mary-Kate in California? Like, how long has she been there? What's going on here? At 3.24 p.m., the masseuse calls Mary-Kate again and not 911. Mary-Kate said she was going to send over a private security team to handle the situation. Fixer. I imagine, like, Mike from Better Call Saul or something. Yeah, Ray Donovan. The masseuse doesn't call paramedics until 3.26 p.m., almost a half hour after finding Heath unconscious. The paramedics arrive, and the masseuse calls Mary-Kate one last time. Minutes later, uh, Heath Ledger is declared dead. Uh, Mary-Kate, through her attorney, declared that she had no idea where Heath got the prescription drugs. So she said she's a no. (laughs) She's saying that after she requested immunity. So there's some weird things going on over there. The DEA also steps in, and they wanted some info on what happened with Heath. Um, Still, she wanted immunity and didn't want to say anything. The last number he dialed on his cell phone when they found it was Mary-Kate. So imagine he's dying and he calls Mary-Kate again. Mm. Uh, So all roads seem to lead to Mary-Kate Olsen here. And what's the allegation? The allegation is she gave him a bunch of pills that she had through, you know, weird ways. And that's why she sent her fixer to clear. But then they didn't do a good job because the, oh, that was a lie, though, that the pills were scattered. Mm. Yeah. That was so a they lie. did probably clean up a bit. Then they called the cops. I wonder. Yeah. And I wonder how far that security guard was away hmm. That from, from where that the body was found. I don't know. Yeah. To this day, it remains very unclear how Heath got his uh, hands on those painkillers that contributed to his death. But his father said the only person to blame was Heath Ledger himself. It was totally his fault. It was no one else's. He reached for those pills. So, Well, I mean, I guess that's right. But Mary-Kate has never spoken about this at all, right? After his death, uh, she issued a statement saying Heath was a friend. His death is a tragic loss. That's it. That's it. She hasn't, like, spoken publicly in 25 years. Yeah, they never (laughs) do. They're just very quiet. Yeah, that's right. It's odd. It's yeah. very odd. And the fact that she has fixers is kind of creepy. Just this silent child star, doesn't yeah. talk much, is a billionaire, and then has Ray Donovan in her back pocket. Oh, my God. Who's she killing? <laughs> <laughs> and there's a security footage showing her greasing up the steps by Bob Saget's hotel room. Oh, gosh. Oh, God. Okay. Um. So there have been some post-death controversies and some conspiracy theories. 
Let's hear him. I'm in. In November of 2010, actor Randy Quaid. Oh, God. Who was his co-star? Who was co-star in Brokeback Mountain. Uh, He and his wife were charged with multiple felonies for damaging a Santa Barbara property they had sold to someone else. And instead of showing up for a court date, they fled to Canada where they spoke to the press and had some wild shit to say. Randy Quaid has completely lost his mind. He went to like Good Morning America and had like a ton of <laughs> shit to say. And some of it involves our subject here. He'd let her. Quaid and his wife, Evie, missed a court appearance in Santa Barbara, California this week because they are in Canada seeking asylum, they say, for their protection. We believe there are to be a malignant tumor of star whackers in Hollywood. The Quaids believe that people are singling out celebrities to either steal their fortunes or kill them. They believe David Carradine, who was found hanged in a bank another, hotel another room, die. and Heath Ledger, who died of a drug overdose, were victims of the same murderous conspiracy. I believe wow. these actors were whacked. The Quaids are charges <laughs> they of cut him off there. Yeah. Accused of illegally squatting in a home they'd already sold. <laughs> they provided CBS with this photo of their key in the front door as proof that they still own it. That, that doesn't mean you own it. It's not a fucking lease. I got a key. I got a key. But police believe they don't. And now Quaid, who's appeared in more than 90 films, has gone from actor to outlaw. Oh my God. Uh, I... He goes in a little more depth about the star whackers here. Oh, my God. He's getting on, like, Randy Quaid joins us now exclusively from Vancouver, Canada, for his first live interview. You feel that the same people who you believe uh, killed David Carradine and Heath Ledger, the star whackers, are out to kill you as well. Well, they are star whackers. I mean, they're they're (laughs) people who... How can you argue with that? Carradine. And, he he uh, was found I, dead in Bangkok. Him, you believe they hanged him in Bangkok yes. and they forced Heath Ledger to I, take drugs in New York? I can't believe that David would commit uh, a suicide. Uh, his wife has recently accident. come out and yeah. said that she doesn't believe that 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 uh, she believes that he was murdered. Uh, Heath, uh, He's like Heath, fucked Heath up. He was an athlete. He played Australian football. Uh, he was robust. Uh, it's just, robust. I've had eight friends of mine uh, who have either died or mysteriously or had uh, scandals uh, surrounding them in recent years. And this is what I'm talking about what when scandal I mean did by Star Wars. I mean, it's have? not killing somebody necessarily, it's just creating a scandal or a mystery around uh, a celebrity. That um, let's see if he goes into more Heath stuff. Here. Them. All right. And um, Heath right. is a, he, Heath. Uh, I think go. it was possible that he, that uh, he could have taken some tainted prescription drugs. Yes. All right, Randy. Well, unfortunately, yes. we are out of time. Now. <laughs> We're out of time for you, Chris. Now he thinks it's possible. He's not certain. Yeah, yeah. He really backed off there at the end. Yeah. 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 I think it's possible that. Because that's very slanderous when you start saying shit like that. Yeah. So somehow his star whacking theory didn't make it to our radar when we did David Carradine. Yeah. No. Seriously. It's so crazy to think that he thinks, you know, these star whackers can get to David Carradine in Bangkok, but they can't reach you in Canada for some reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the same logic with the whackers that did Anthony Bourdain. Yeah. yeah. But yet they couldn't get Asia Argento. I guess not. When yeah. She was in Rome. Oh, yeah. She just she didn't make it to the uh, murder. Yeah. That's when you know you made it when you, the star whackers get you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> there was actually a UNICEF event that night in Manhattan where a few celebrities were asked about the tragic death of Heath Ledger. This is my last uh, clip, I swear. But it's really sad. Every time I see a picture of him, I can't Rihanna. believe he's gone. I don't have nothing against the media because, you know, we all are celebrities, but I think us as celebrities, the way we use the media and the media, um, it's all a bit under, out of control. You know, it's all a bit um, out of control and we need to kind of pull it back in because people are getting driven well, crazy man. by it. People's Your Godzilla lives, the way they're, single they're written, was out of control. <laughs> yeah, getting terrible. By it. And, um, you know, it's good to sell papers and, and have people check into the news, but the truth is what people want to hear. And, and it's up to us as the artists and the actors. And the, the next one is, uh, is, also is, good is making Randy Quaid look a little more sane. <laughs> yeah. According to the report, it was an oh. overdose of many, many different Trump things. So of course he was that. Maybe it's the same thing. Prescription drugs is probably in its own way just as bad. I think the world is out of control. Control, control. It's about to get more out of control. He sounds like the Joker right there. Wow. I think the world is out of control. Troll, troll, troll. The world's out of control. Everybody knows it. (laughs) It's crazy. Everyone knows. (laughs) Yeah, well, that was a good uh, like intro into what Trump was going to start talking about. Yeah, exactly. Maybe that's what made him become the president. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Overall, though, there was no foul play considered, and by all accounts, it just seems like it was a mixing of the wrong prescription drugs by yeah, him. That's that it. Mary Kate gave to him. Okay. It's possible. It seems like it, doesn't it? Mm. It's weird that she wants immunity. There's immunity. obviously something that she had And it's to do weird with. that she sent her security guard yeah. to check on him before it. Yeah. the cops were called. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, and it seems like that's not the first time she got in trouble or with some shit. She was yeah, ready to go on that. Yeah. If she has that already ready, that's just uh, very creepy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So oh. his last movie was, as we were talking about, the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus was incomplete at the time of his death. Um, It was still shooting. Terry Gilliam completed it using actors Colin Farrell, Johnny Depp, and Jude Law, who all stepped in at the last minute to help uh, complete the movie, as uh, with the role that Heath was playing. They all played the same role. Same role, yeah. yeah. It came out in 2009 with some decent reviews and actually doubled the budget at the box office. So I think some people were attracted to the experience of what happened at that time. Didn't he die during filming and they had to like CGI or kind of recreate him in some way or like film another actor from the back? They could have. I, I don't know if that did. was that one. Yeah. Well, it was the last movie he ever did. I think yeah. you're thinking of The Crow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, The Dark Knight also had not been released yet when he died. Yeah. The Dark Knight had not been released and, and he won an Oscar for that. And, uh, it was very sad and crazy. And it an Oscar had never been won for like a comic book movie like that. Mm. Yeah, we talked about this in the Oscars episode. We did, yeah. But there was a campaign that started, a fan campaign. And, and it could have been as a result. It's so funny. The online campaign hated him when he got the Joker, but they loved him when... The same crowd yeah, yeah. <laughs> really uh, lobbied for him to win the Oscar. And they went out, and Michelle Williams actually went up and gave a nice speech uh, on behalf of him. At the Oscars? Yeah. His family went up there. I thought Michelle Williams no. actually went up there. No, his dad, Kim, oh. and mom and sister. Okay, um, they did a documentary. Uh, that guy, Matt Amato, actually put together a nice documentary with music by Bonnie Vare, uh, a movie called "I Am Heath Ledger," 
which um, I pulled a lot for this and stuff and very sweet documentary. I recommend people check out after you listen to this podcast, of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have one last clip from Joaquin Phoenix dedicating his Oscar to Heath after he won for the Joker after Heath had won a couple of years before. Really, I'm standing here on the, the shoulders um, of my favorite actor, uh, Heath Ledger. So thank you and good night. That was for his Joker performance, right? Yes. Yeah. So nice little yeah. tribute. Yeah, I don't really have uh, much else on all that. I'll just add that, you know, it was dead of winter, obviously, when Heath died. January, and yeah. Six months away from The Dark Knight being released. Yeah. So there was six months of very morbid hype for yeah. his performance. Mm. And then that summer of 2008, when it finally hit theaters... It was just an explosion of it was excitement. Yeah. God, it was so good. And people would see it three to five times. Yeah. It was that exciting, his performance. I've heard people say The Dark Knight was a good movie with Heath involved. It was a great movie. Mm. Batman Begins was a good movie. But but then- it far surpassed. But adding him as a Batman Joker was Begins. just like, the way he just brought that character to life, yeah. uh, it almost seems too easy. The way he kind of did it and just like the weird, bizarre way of talking and like, you know, the laugh and everything about it. He was just, I don't know. He just embraced it. And I could see how he lost his mind doing this. It was so good that it literally shut me up forever on like casting decisions because I was complaining about it so much. And then Mm -hmm. I saw the movie. I was like, hey, man. Well, I will it, never complain about a casting ever again. I'll let st- them do what they do. It started that <laughs> yeah. dialogue of characters getting too deep into the roles because I think I heard uh, Paul Dano, like he mildly complained about getting less sleep than before yeah. when he did the Riddler. And they in the press made it out to be this whole thing. Like, it's infecting his brain <laughs> being the Riddler and he can't even be himself anymore. And he's like, no, 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 actually, that's not that's not what I said at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they want to run with this stuff. And I'm sure the studios you know, say, encourage all that shit. Yeah, exactly. 100%. We know too many of these stories where we hear like what the studio was spinning out there in the news or whatever. Yeah. It's like, that's clearly an angle. Yeah. There's and a lot the, of angles. That they I tried made. to do that with, with uh, Jared Leto's uh, portrayal of the Joker because he was like sending rats to other dead rats. Dead rats. To Margot yeah. Robbie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like ridiculous. Yeah, gee, thanks, Jared. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, he, but he was trying to do what he did with the role, clearly. But then it was just embarrassing when the movie was released. <laughs> and it sucked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it made uh, Cesar Romero's Joker seem frightening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, people said Heath was like in the character and losing his mind on set. But then you'd see like pictures of him skateboarding over uh, Christian yeah. Bale, like fucking around and yeah. stuff. <laughs> what really happened is he had trouble sleeping. I think Joker or no Joker. Yeah. And he was addicted to pills. He was a young actor possessed to make movies. And, you know, you can't ask too much of your own body or yourself. Sometimes, yeah. You know? And with all the I don't know, I just feel like he probably felt a lot of pressure too to for it to be really good yeah. um, because that role is iconic. And uh, yeah, I think he was just maybe trying to ease that nervousness a little bit by doing pills. And yeah, people that are really into drugs are. You know, they they have a way of trying. They think it can fix anything. 
Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. the cure-all, you know, like, you know, the snake oil salesman. Right. Like, like if I just mix it this way and I do this and that, you know, I'll be able to get my head together. And he had a big meeting with Steven Spielberg the next day. He was in a bad place sleeping-wise and mentally and stuff. And he's mm-hmm. like, I know how to fix it. I just, I'll just take more Ambien and take more anti-anxiety pills and this will fix it. The end game is becoming Michael Jackson at yeah. some point in needing propofol or something that's mm. like not even you're not even getting REM sleep you're just like you're knocked out you're not getting actual good sleep yeah you have to take propofol to, yeah. to go to sleep well even the anti-anxiety or ambient you're not getting the 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 real REM sleep that you need need in order to keep your your head sane i was shocked when i heard Heath ledger was like on this level and taking this amount of drugs because he's 28 years old Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's crazy. That's the other thing. Can you believe that? 28. 28. I didn't know he was that young. I thought he was like in his uh, earlier 30s. Yeah, he did seem like an older person. He like did. His look and everything. The yeah. Joker is 28? Yeah. yeah, right? Well, the Joker was 27 because he had to film it the year before, I think. So yeah, mm. even younger. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah, he wanted to be that Forever 27 Club, but he just missed it with Janis <laughs> Joplin and Kurt Cobain, which we brought up previous episodes we did and i'm not there also involved several people playing the same character yeah mm-hmm. that's true too yeah with that uh, Kate blanchett and um a couple other people I yeah forget. that's <laughs> yeah. what i was talking about i tuned out so i don't know if you said that the colin farrell those were his replacements after he died yeah okay, the imaginarium yeah, yeah. of yeah. dr that's Pernalis. what i was talking about with yeah. like the uh, CGI and stuff, but it was just those three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They didn't need to CGI because they had replacement. Kind yeah. of similar to the Paul Walker, where they they CGI his brother into Fast and Furious Ten, I think. But that was different because in Parnassus they were saying this is Johnny. Depp yeah, yeah, playing yeah, the same yeah, character, yeah. and that they want you to believe it's Paul Walker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even though he looks like a screensaver from <laughs> Windows ninety five. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Um, but final yeah. thoughts. Final thoughts on this one. Damn, man, that's. Uh, I have a, a conspiracy theory now I'll that'll go. make you look at Full House even more different now. Oh boy, it, it, it puts a little uh, weird spin on the whole show. I think maybe Mary Kate first got her fixer because she killed Danny Tanner's wife and set up the entire show. <laughs> Like he killed a fictional so she, yeah, character. She, she, killed, she killed a fake character, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and then she confused reality with yes. fiction and killed a real ca- person yes. after that. Okay. Yeah, ridiculous. I like it. Yeah. yeah, and I introduced the theory that she killed Bob Saget. Yeah, true. She's <laughs> she, on a roll. She oiled up the floor by <laughs> his bed, and he was like, "Whoop!" <laughs> she put a, ba- a banana peel down. <laughs> she killed Dave Coulier's career, maybe too. Hey, oh. Cut it out! Yeah, yeah, cut out the fucking <laughs> career. He still makes a lot of money doing stand up in theaters. I know, it's we're crazy. just teasing, Kyle. Yeah. I know, but yeah. it's just it's weird, like people being nostalgia acts. You yeah. would see Dave Coulier, of course. Yeah. Well, why? For free. (laughs) It's now a knight's tale, but I'll still pay for the I was testing him, and he did not pass. No. Yeah, he'll say anything. Because he brings out the beaver puppet. Oh. From Full House. Is that that a separate beaver from the uh, the Mel Gibson, Jodie Foster movie? Probably. (laughs) (laughs) Similar. (laughs) And the Joker? The Joker. Yeah. Great performance. Icon. Icon. Yeah, he won the Oscar. You know what? I'm going to go wild and say that it's probably the third best Joker. 
Get out of here. Uh, and Cesar guy. Romero and who else? <laughs> That's supposed to be like high praise. Yeah. No, it's um Nicholson. Yeah. Mark Hamill. Oh, yeah. The TV show. Mm. Oh, okay. No, no it's, I'm just kidding. Yeah, it's the <laughs> who needs to compare? Yeah. Imagine what could have been after all these roles that he missed out on or what, what he could have done. Hmm. You know, it would have been a great career. Of course. He would have done a lot of interesting roles. Yeah. Yeah. Very sad. What are you going to do? Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter. That's what you're going to do. Yeah, I'll do at that. Dipod 2021. Oh, Kyle's going to do it. Twist my you. arm. Yeah. All right. <laughs> TikTok. Uh, TikTok. Death and Entertainment, all one word. YouTube, Death and Entertainment. Give us a subscribe, will you? Please. Hit the bell for the notifications. Ding, Leave ding, a comment. Ding, 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 Share. Ding, ding, like. All the good yeah. stuff. Give us a review, for Christ's sake. Get on us. Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple iTunes, wherever you can find it. You name it, we're there. Leave a nice note and a thumbs up five star. Please. And thank you. Thanks for listening. And until next time, don't go dying on us. Bye. (laughs) You have just heard a true Hollywood murder mystery. I have never seen anything like this before. The movies, Broadway, music, television, all of it. A place that manufactures nightmares. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. Good night. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon.